worship team, thank you for leading us to celebrate this morning with great passion and great joy and great excitement. My name is Michael. I serve here at Genesis as one of the pastors and sincerely just wanted to say thank you for spending your Easter morning with us. I hope that you have already been encouraged in the time that we have had together. It's Easter, and I have been thinking a lot about just stories. And so I wanted to ask you the question, have you ever had your imagination captured by a great story? Whether it was maybe a book or maybe a television show, have you ever gotten your heart so wrapped up into the story that you actually dreaded it coming to an end? And then when the end came, you were either thrilled with the ending, or you were frustrated with how the author decided to end this great story. Maybe you were frustrated that you were left with more questions than answers, and all of those loose ends weren't tied up like you were hoping they would be tied up. Or maybe you were thrilled that the people that you really wanted to be together in the end of the story were finally together, and they lived together happily ever after. Maybe some examples might help of a thrilling ending. Friends, Ross and Rachel, for 10 years, were on again and off again and taking break after break. But in the final episode, we're led to think that Rachel is going to move to Paris to begin a brand new life. But in the closing scene, she walks into Ross's apartment and she says, I got off the plane. Finally, they're going to be together forever. Or maybe 24, after killing every single bad guy on the entire planet, Jack Bauer, in his most sentimental moment of the entire series, looks up at the camera in the sky and says, Chloe, after all of these years, I never thought it would be you watching over me. Now, these are examples of maybe thrilling endings. Here's some examples of some endings that left us incredibly frustrated Seinfeld, my goodness, what a frustrating ending to a great show that was about absolutely nothing. The story ends with Jerry and George and Elaine and Kramer sitting in a jail cell for basically being horrible people. Or Breaking Bad, how do you kill off Mr. White and let Jesse live? Or how about Lost, hands down, the most frustrating ending to a great story. After 122 episodes, you find out in the final episode that they were dead the whole time. J.J. Abrams, what were you thinking? Every great story needs a great ending. And when there's not a great ending to go along with a great story... Well, we find ourselves frustrated asking all sorts of questions. 2,000 years ago, there was no greater story unfolding than the story of Jesus. I mean, talk about a story that was captivating hearts and minds of the people in the first century. Jesus was the one who was healing people. Jesus was the one that was walking on water and calming storms. Jesus was the one that was fighting demons and winning Jesus is the one that was raising dead people back to life. Jesus' teaching was captivating the crowds. And Jesus' leadership was compelling. Not only that, there were the things that Jesus actually was saying about himself, namely who he was and what he came to do. 
Jesus said that it is not possible to know God and have a relationship with God except through Him. Jesus said He, he claimed that He could actually forgive people's sins. He even claimed to be God in flesh. So, as you might imagine, everything about Jesus grabbed the hearts and the minds of all of the people. But then something unexpected happened. The story ended. It says in John's Gospel, chapter 19, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Wait, what? This isn't possible. Jesus can't be dead. This can't be happening. This has to be some sort of bad dream that they were having. Those who knew and followed Jesus for the better part of three years were absolutely shocked. Even though Jesus had told them on numerous occasions that he would be killed, they could not believe that this great story would end with his death. Because Jesus, he was supposed to make everything right. Jesus was supposed to establish a new kingdom. He was supposed to establish a new religious rule. And Jesus ultimately was supposed to flip the world upside down. They had so many ideas of what Jesus was going to do. And then when he died, well, it's like when Tom Brady left New England for Tampa Bay. It is not supposed to be how the story ends. He was supposed to win one more, making it number seven, the perfect number, the number of completion. Well, certainly in a much more significant way, I can only imagine the pain and the despair on Friday and Saturday when the followers of Jesus thought that this great story was now over. I think one attribute that makes a great story great is an ending that you did not see coming. For example, have you seen The Sixth Sense? Bruce Willis was dead the entire movie? I did not see that coming. Or how about the movie The Prestige? No idea that was his twin brother the entire film. Did not see that coming. Or maybe a much older film. How about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho? Norman Bates was his mother the entire time? Did not see that coming. Or how about the Empire Strikes Back? Luke's father is Darth Vader? Okay, I kind of saw that one coming the whole time. But my point is this. All of these stories had these endings that you just did not see coming, and that's what made them so great. Well, the greatest surprise ending actually happened 2,000 years ago when a group of women who had been following Jesus showed up at a tomb fully expecting to care for a very dead and now decaying body of Jesus. This is the discovery that this group of women made 2,000 years ago. Their story is in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men in suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. 
And the women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking for among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Now, as we read those verses, we suffer from something called hindsight bias which just simply means we've heard what happened, therefore we lose the shock at the discovery that was made, as if we almost expected that to happen. Maybe think about it this way. Have you ever gone to a funeral and you are thinking to yourself, well, who knows, maybe our friend who is dead will wake up today. You would never in a million years think that. So let's be honest, the concept of someone coming back to life after they had been killed, it might work in the movies, say like Harry Potter, but that's not what happens in real life. It's just not possible. Now, even though Jesus had told his disciples, his followers, on numerous occasions that he would be killed and he would be raised back to life on the third day, well, The concept of dying is easy to grasp because all of us at some point are going to die. But the concept of someone being raised back to life after they had been murdered and now in a tomb for three days was just unimaginable. Now, I've tried to picture this for myself. If I was one of Jesus' followers in the first century, I would love to think that I would have come back to the tomb on Saturday evening just to check out what might happen. I mean, after all, this guy walked on water. Jesus had raised other dead people back to life. So I'd like to think at some level I would be thinking, so who knows what might actually happen? But not one person was camped out waiting for Jesus to come back. You see, when Jesus died on Friday, everyone assumed, everyone assumed that the greatest story that had captured hearts and minds of the people in the first century had come to a horrific end. Now, what I don't want any one of us to miss this Easter season is this amazing truth. What makes Easter, unlike any other story, is that it has no ending, only a beginning. Let me say that again. What makes Easter, unlike any other story, is that it has no ending, only a beginning. If there is no resurrection on Sunday, if Jesus stays in the grave on Sunday, if there is no empty tomb, then the greatest story just turned out to be a great story with a tragic ending. But because there was a resurrection, because Jesus walked out of the grave, because the tomb was empty, Easter is now the beginning of a story that will have no end. Because Jesus rose from the grave, because Jesus is still alive today, it not only validates everything that he said and everything that he did, but it validates who he claimed to be. And remember, he claimed to be God in flesh. Now this morning, just for a moment, I want you all to hear what Jesus and what the Bible says is true for anyone 
and for everyone that would put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus, the Jesus who is very much alive. The first thing I want you to know, if you would put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus is this, you are a child of God. You're a child of God. It says in John chapter 1, but to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. That simply means you are part of the family of God now forever. You have entered into a community of people that will now help you walk with God. The second thing I would want you to know that if you have put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus who is alive, then what I want you to know is all your sins are forever forgiven. All sins are forever forgiven. That means your past, your present, and your future sins have been completely forgiven. Listen to this one verse from an individual named Paul who actually saw the resurrected Jesus. He says in Colossians, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all our sins. He forgave all our sins and He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And because all sin has been forgiven, not just some, but all sin has been forgiven, that means that you and I are free. Now, the obvious question just simply becomes, well, what do you mean? What am I free from? And the answer is, you are free from condemnation. It says in Romans 8, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus which just simply means we are free from living our lives riddled with guilt and shame and fear and hiding. You see, the good news is that we are free from having to pretend or to fake it or to wear masks in hopes to maybe impress God or even impress other people with our perceived good works. His forgiveness means you and I are completely free. The third thing that I would want you to know, that if you make the decision to trust, to believe, and put your hope in Jesus is this, we have been made alive. I love how Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, or chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That just simply means sins killed us. But then he says in verse 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. When the Bible says that we have been made alive, that simply means you and I have been given a brand new life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says everyone, not just some people, but everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. See, this promise is for everyone who chooses to trust Jesus. So whether you are a religious person or a irreligious person, new life is promised to you. Whether you are a skeptic or an atheist or an agnostic, new life is promised for you. Whether you have never been to church in your entire life or whether you've been going to church for your entire life, in Christ, new life is promised for you. And even if you've messed up and made a mess of your life, 
The promise from Jesus is that he gives you new life. Anyone and everyone who trusts and believes in Jesus will be given a new life. And because we've been given a new life, that means because of Jesus, you and I are brand new creations. It says in 2 Corinthians, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become. A new life has come. Because of Jesus, you're not just some old refurbished version of your old self. As a new creation, God has given you a brand new heart and a brand new mind that cares deeply about the things of God. As a new creation, God has given you new desires and new passions that reflect the purposes of God in your life, but also through your life. Because of being new creation, God's given you new eyes New eyes to see God, to see yourself, and even to see the world that we live in. Because of being made a new creation, God's given you new ears to hear the cries and the cares of the people around us. Because we are brand new creations, we've been given new relationships where we are no longer alone. We don't have to be Lone Ranger and navigate life alone. We've been brought into a community known as the family of God. And the beauty of this new life that Jesus has given to us, new life, new creations, is that we do not live this life just in our own strength or in our own power, our own talent or ability. The fourth thing that I'd want you to know is that if you would put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus, we have been given then the Spirit of God. We have been given the Spirit of God. I love how it talks about this in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. I mean, think about that for a moment. How amazing that the same Spirit that raised Jesus back to life now lives in you. That means you are empowered by God to live for God and to walk with God. But I also want you to know that Jesus did not just rise back to life so that we would just have a great, perfect, awesome life here. The fifth and final thing that I would want you to know for those who would put their hope, faith, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone is this. Because Jesus conquered death, that means those who trust in Jesus, you have a new home in heaven. You have a home in heaven. I love how Peter, who was the one who denied even knowing who Jesus was, this is what Peter said. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He died in order to bring you and I safely home to God. If Jesus were still dead, he could not bring us to God, but because Jesus is alive, he alone can bring us to God. If you trust in Jesus, I'd want you to know that you can have 100% confidence that you have been given a home in heaven. And it's not a confidence in what you have done, and it's not a confidence in what you might do one day. It's a confidence based completely in what Jesus has already done. I love how John, another follower of Jesus, said it like this. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Everyone thought the greatest story ended on Friday with the worst ending ever, the death of Jesus. But what makes Easter, unlike any other story, is that it has no ending, only a beginning. If you today are a follower of Jesus, I would want you to know that because Jesus is alive, you're a child of God. I would want you to know because Jesus is alive, all sins have been forgiven. I would want you to know that because Jesus is alive, you have been made alive, a new life, new creation. Because Jesus is alive, you have been given the Spirit of God. And because Jesus is alive, you have been given a home in heaven. And because Jesus is alive, I would want you to know that your story never ends. And so our aim, our purpose in life, if you've made that decision to trust Christ, made that decision to follow Jesus, our one aim, our one hope is to live the new life that Jesus has given to us and to use the new life that Jesus has given to us to do whatever it takes to help as many people as we possibly can begin a relationship with Jesus so that they too can experience experience becoming a child of God, so that they too can experience having all sins forgiven, so that they too can experience being made alive and given a new life, so that they too can experience having the Spirit of God living in them, and so that they too can also have 100% confidence that they have a home in heaven. And if you're watching today, if you're watching today and you have not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, then I firmly believe the sole reason that you have tuned in, whether on Facebook Live or tuned in via our website, is because Jesus wanted you to know that He is inviting you today, Easter 2020. He's inviting you today to follow Him. Jesus would want you to know that He's inviting you to trust Him so that you could be made right with God, both now and forever. Jesus would want you to know that He is inviting you to trust Him so that you can become a child of God and have all sins forgiven, be given a new life, and be, receive the Spirit of God and have a new home in heaven. He is inviting you to believe that it's His life and His death and His resurrection that makes you right now and forevermore to have a relationship with God. Jesus is inviting you to be part of a story that will never end. I'm going to spend a moment in prayer. And I'm going to pray specifically for those that are watching right now that would say, hey, I've made that decision to follow Jesus. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for all of you. Jesus, we give thanks that because you are alive, we get to become children of God, that all of our sins, past, present, future, have been forgiven. Jesus, because you are alive, you've given us 
new life, new creations. And Jesus, because you are alive, you have given us the Spirit of God to help us walk with God. And Jesus, you have given us a new home in heaven. So Jesus, our prayer, my prayer for me and for any follower of Christ that's listening right now, is that we would live every moment of every day in the new life that you have given to us. And Jesus, by your grace and your strength and your power, we would do whatever it takes to help anyone in our life, anyone in our family, anyone in our neighborhood, anyone in the place where we work, the place where we study, that we would do whatever it takes to help anyone and everyone in our life begin a relationship with Jesus. So please give me and give all of us the grace that we need to live the new life that you have secured for us. And now I just want to, just for a moment, if you're watching right now and you have yet to make that decision to say, Jesus, I want to trust you, I want to follow you. If you've not yet made that decision to say, I want to be made right with God, and maybe you've been trying to do it by yourself, maybe through just being a good person and good works and being a spiritual, moral person, but you've not yet made the decision to say, Jesus, I am going to trust you. We're going to put up a prayer on the screen for you. And this is a prayer that just is an expression. And if it's the expression of your heart, then I would invite you to pray this with me. It's a way for you to draw a line in the sand, to simply declare, Jesus, I choose to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you alone can make me right with God. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, but by faith, I ask you to be my Savior. If that would be the desire of your heart, to make that decision today, then I want you, invite you, to pray this with me right now. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you alone can make me right with God. And Jesus, I confess, I confess that I'm a sinner, but by faith, I ask you to be my Savior. I pray that, Jesus, in your name, amen. This morning, on Easter 2020, if you have made any decisions, whether to begin a, a new relationship with Jesus or to renew your relationship with Jesus, or if you still have questions, there is a button on the website right now underneath the screen that you are watching that just simply says Easter 2020. If you would click on that now, we would love to know of a decision that maybe you have made this morning. That same form is available on our Facebook Live page as well. But we encourage you to let us know of a decision that you've made so that you don't make this decision in isolation. We want to be able to come alongside you and to encourage you and to love you and to serve you. This morning, we are going to finish our Easter celebration, our Easter gathering, by singing a song called The Blessing. And we were so excited to finish our Easter celebration this morning by singing The Blessing because this is the blessing that God has for us. It's a, a prayer, a blessing in Numbers chapter 6 that just simply says, May the Lord bless you 
May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you 